Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Mona Vand, who is a wellness entrepreneur and who I'm really excited to learn more about because I've been following you for a little while and and I'm looking forward to just learning more about you and your wellness philosophy. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to be on and I'm a big fan of your products. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you and your background. I know you're you're Persian, right? Yes. Yeah. And I'm Persian too. So did you grow up here in the U S? Um, when did your family move here? I'm always interested in learning about that because I grew up here, but my entire family, I'm like a first generation Iranian American. So my entire extended family, um, they're immigrants. So I always want to yeah, um, I mean, I I grew up here as well. I was born in New York, but then I actually lived in Iran from like the ages of three to four, oh. which is very young. But it's crazy how much you remember. Like, I have so many. Sometimes I'll smell something and like get a memory or like see, you know, see. I definitely have a lot of like pretty nice memories there. Um, but then I grew up in New York, in uh, between New York and LA. My parents divorced when I was really young. But they, you know, their plan was just to come here and go to college and then go back. And then the revolution happened. So all of my extended family is also in Iran. I I mean, I have like a few cousins now that have just gone to Canada, like on student visas. So that's been really fun. But besides that, like everyone else is in Iran. Wow. So they all stayed, but your parents came and stayed. Yeah. You know, they all stayed. And then like later in life when they wanted to come, it was obviously like very hard to travel here and now they're all working towards moving to Canada. It's got kind of uh, Toronto's kind of become the new LA for a bunch Iranians to uh, move. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's hard because I I love I love my culture. I mean you you know like I'm so yeah. proud and it's the best thing. I, I would hang out with my family all the time if I could, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your parents divorced. Did they did one of them end up moving to LA and one to New York? Yeah. So the only reason they were in upstate New York was because my dad was uh, getting his PhD there. And the plan was to move to LA because there's a lot of Iranians in LA, but then they divorced. And my mom, meanwhile, had gotten a job. So she wanted to stay and he wanted to go. So we have very strange upbringing. My brother moved to LA with my dad and I stayed in New York with my mom. This is at the age of like four, he was like seven. Yeah. So we grew up separate, which is just odd. But I would I would spend like Christmas and summers in LA. So it's always felt honestly always felt more like home to me than New York. And then once I graduated college, I moved there. Wow. What was that like? Um, did you choose to stay with your mom? Like, did they give you the option? I'm always super curious because I think um, people just don't talk about divorce enough. Like my parents are divorced as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it's it makes a big impact and it's different. Like your upbringing is now completely different than your brother. So completely. So yeah. Did you choose or was it just like, they let us choose, which is, you know, it's strange to think back on because we were so young. Um, and we had very different upbringings, obviously, like, you know, he was, in California with my dad. And like, when you're with your, we, we each have like different relationships with our parents because of it. And I think, first of all, divorce is more common now than it was then. But in, you know, a lot of like in Persian culture, it wasn't as common. And then, you know, because I never saw my dad much and he never saw my mom much, like whenever 
we would visit the other parent, like they would spoil us extra. Yeah. So, you know, when I went to LA, I would get like a ton of toys and like had like an easier, I felt like I had an easier relationship with my dad and he had like an easier relationship with my mom because it was more just like the fun times. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but it was really hard not growing, I mean, not growing up like around my dad and brother. I felt like there was always that big part of your life missing. Yeah. Um, and I was so excited to just, I always wanted to just like get to LA. Like, you know, I went to pharmacy school in Boston because it just was a better program for me. Mm-hmm. But from like the second I graduated high school, I was like ready to get there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the weather, it's nice, but now you were back in New York. So <laughs> it's so crazy that I'm back in New York because like, I was like, never will I leave LA, but you know, that I fell in love and <laughs> he lives in new york it's funny because i'm in new york city now this is i mean literally just moved here officially i'd say in march because it's my my lease in la ran up Perfect. Then, <laughs> literally then COVID happened so like right when the weather's getting warm i've been pretty bi-coastal for the last year like you know mostly here and back and forth but um if there was anywhere else in the world i live it would be new york city mainly because like you know, the people and the culture and like, I'm, I'm very much on like a coast mentality in terms of like politics, life, culture, but New York is just so different than LA. It's beyond different culture wise. I love it so much. I, I feel such a draw to New York city. So, um, I, I visit often, but obviously haven't in a little while. So I'm curious what it's like, but I want to know what it was like growing up in, in upstate New York. Like, do you think that that had a lot to do with maybe your, um, you know, your pivot into more of like a different type of wellness than maybe pharmacy is? No, you know, I, I like, it's, it's, but I really don't like upstate New York. I'm going to be like, I, I'm like, should I be PC in this interview or should no, I just, like, no, just, <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you don't, you're so like resilient and you don't notice anything and you're just kind of happy doing, you know, you're never like, Oh, I want this. Like I want, I want something better, bigger and better. Yeah. Um, but I'd say once I hit like sixth or seventh grade and I was traveling to LA to see my dad, I kind of knew that like, I didn't feel like I belonged and I'm not one for small towns. I, I prefer a more faster pace. I hate cold weather. So there's that, but there's also just the town that I grew up in and the school that I grew up in had like really no culture no diversity I was like yeah. one of like literally one of three ethnic kids in my high school I definitely experienced like racism and like you know just I mean people it literally people like it wasn't like it was constant but it was pretty consistent at least like a few times a year different grades as if I was like they literally would like call me like black names and it's so funny because they don't even know the difference. If you're basically, if you're not white, you're black. And like, that was all they knew. I don't even think they knew what Persian was. That's like, so crazy. And like, now it's like being Persian is like, are you even, I mean, you are a minority and I feel like I have not in LA though, <laughs> but then some people are like, well, you're not the right kind of minority. You know what I mean? I know. I know now. Exactly. Now we're like, we, we don't understand one end, but we also don't fit into the yeah. other end. I totally know what you mean. It was just hard. Like I would go to LA and I'd be like, oh, these people look like me and they understand me. And like, and then I just, I just felt a lot of like, I mean, you're a Persian girl. Like I had a mustache when I was like in elementary school. I'm like, 
if my future daughter has a unibrow or mustache, I will help a sister out. Like, come on. But I got made fun of for that. Like, I had hairy arms. Like, my skin was dark. Like, it was just, honestly, a combination of that and, like, really missing my dad and brother. I don't have the fondest memories of upstate New York. Um, So I really don't even like to go. (laughs) But New York City feels like a very different, I mean, it's like different worlds. I think I went to the city three times growing up. You know, it was like three and a half hours away. Like it was like a school field trip. So it's very, very different here. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it is far, especially when you're that young. Like, yeah, I growing up in Newport Beach, I never went to LA actually. Just, and that's only an hour away. And And that can be like, I hear that. I'm like, really? You're so close. But yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I barely ever went, like, especially by myself. I would go with my parents sometimes here in their Westwood, of course, because there's so many Persian people. Oh, I miss Westwood. I miss everything about it. I love it. (laughs) So then how did you find yourself like going to Boston and studying um, pharmacy or Mm -hmm. what do you call it? Like when it's pharmacy, I mean, it's a, it's a doctor of pharmacy degree. Um, it's basically, it's a pharmacist degree, but, uh, years ago they didn't require it to be a doctor. It was just a bachelor. So, you know, you're Persian. It was like, are you going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer? So you kind of have one, one of those options. And also when I was in high school, like there was no social media. Um, there, there weren't, there wasn't this like array of cool jobs that you could get. I actually really wanted to be a news anchor and that would be I was like, that sounds like the cool, I like, I wanted to like be on TV and my parents were like, if you major in communications, you're not going to get a job. And that's such a waste of a degree, which I kind of agree with it is that you don't really need a communications degree. You might as well just go get life experience. But my mom kind of sold me on pharmacy because she was like, you know, it's a really, um, once you get into the program, as long as you don't fail out, you're in. So it's not like med school where you go for four years. And if you don't get in, like you're just stuck with a biology degree that doesn't really do much for you. Yeah. That. And then there was the whole notion of like, it's a good career for women. You know, you can, you get like three or four days a week off so you can raise a family. And like, that's what I thought my like full priority was. And I didn't know what else to do. So I was like, I'm just going to do it. And then if I, you know, want to go to med school, maybe while I'm in school, I'll transfer out, but I wanted to start. And my mom, so funny, my poor mom, she like literally also was like, you know, you could also do like, you could even go into like makeup or like different, like kind of like creating, like she, she sold me on like the different things my degree could do. Yeah. That's so true. Cause you could like formulate all that. Right. But then, I mean, what's funny is like, I was interested in the makeup or like beauty aspect and in the, the TV aspect. And I, I did find my way into both of those worlds eventually. Exactly. Right. I was gonna say you have your own TV channel basically. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, you help people with like the skin and beauty aspect. That's so cool. Yeah. How, like what interested you made its way back. And I think a lot of times it does that if people just like look at the bigger picture and they're yeah. their intuition and letting them that guide them. And you never know, like you could have this idea. Yes, that was the idea in my head. And then all through pharmacy school, I didn't think about it. When I graduated, even when I was unhappy the first three years, you don't know maybe that it's like deep in your subconscious and you'll find your way there. So even if it's not, you know, on the surface, sometimes it's there. Hi, everyone. Let's take a moment to discuss your mattress. Finding a comfortable, non-toxic, and chemical-free mattress became a main priority for me once I found out what traditional mattresses are made from. 
Not only are they not sustainable for the environment, but they're also detrimental to our health when we consider the amount of time we spend laying on our mattress, which is about a third of our lifetime. I'm so happy to announce that this podcast is supported by Avocado Green Mattress, offering mattresses that are handmade in California with certified non-toxic and organic materials. Avocado Green Mattress is climate neutral certified and a member of 1% for the planet, where 1% of all sales, not profits, but sales, which is a lot, go to environmental nonprofits. So visit avocadogreenmattress.com and use code THEFULLEST for $150 off a mattress for the fullest podcast listeners. I really, really love my mattress so much and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about yours. What were you unhappy about the first three years? Like, do you think it felt like... Because sometimes people just like, they have this goal that they try and meet. And then all of a sudden, I think after college or whatever degree you go for, then you're like, wait, now what? Or yeah, 100% it. You just literally nailed it. And I didn't realize it. So, you know, all through college, I'm like, oh, this big goal, like one year down, five to go, three years down, three to go. And you're like waiting and waiting. And, and I liked what I was, you know, I was so, Boston's such a medical city, and it's such a college town that like, and I, my school was a, a health science school. So everyone around me was constantly talking about the same thing, studying the same thing. So I was really into it when I was studying. I was like excited to graduate and like start working. Um, and then I moved to LA once I passed my boards and everything. And literally the first day working, I was just like, wait, this is my life forever. I think you had this, I think I got my like offer from Rite Aid. I, I was working for Rite Aid and they were like, you start with like eight days vacation or like five days vacation for the first like year or two. Then you build up to like seven days and, and you know what you get paid and basically your salary like doesn't ever change with pharmacy. You start oh like you basically start with like 80 or $90 an hour, but that never changes. Wow. It's like, you, you, you know, it's cool making over a hundred thousand a year as like a 24 year old, but then that's it. So I had this like, oh my God, this is my life forever. And I, I have all these loans and like, I can't quit. Like there's no more summer break. I think I had a total freak out of like, there's no way I can do this forever. So why was it like a three-year thing? How did you kind of work your way out of that rut? Well, for the first, basically the first day I cried and was like, I had a moment. I was like, I can't do this. I also hated going in. I hated walking into a pharmacy every day. Like I think enough people don't talk about, you kind of have this like, both my parents were like, you know, you're no one's supposed to like their job. It's just like what you do to make money and you want to make good money. And I still value like making money a lot because I really like buying nice things. And I think you should be honest with yourself about that. But being unhappy is just not worth it. And it wasn't enough money. Like there was just no balance there to like make me happy. Um, so for the first year, I was just kind of like, you know, you like, you know, you're unhappy, but you don't really know what to do. And I was looking around for different pharmacy jobs. I was like, maybe I would want to like work in a hospital or whatever. So after about a year, after asking a lot of people, I got an interview with this like small independent closed door pharmacy where they kind of more of an office setting and the owner was Persian. And like, you know, I, he, I ended up getting that job and I was so, so excited. I was like, this is, this is going to be perfect for me because I could wear whatever I wanted to work. And like, 
Those were the things that that would be great. So then I was working there for like two years. And as I was working, just also realized how unfulfilled I was. So then I realized it wasn't just that like at retail pharmacy, you're treated like a robot and you're on your feet all day. Now I can sit all day. It's pretty chill. Like I, it's literally, it was like four blocks away from my apartment and I still wasn't happy. So that's when I started realizing that. And I also think being in LA, you know, the group of friends that I kind of fell into were all in the entertainment like industry. Mm -hmm. They were either like, one was like a reality star and one was like a model. And like, these girls were just like, not LA's funny because we were kind of like, what do people do? Yeah. But they'd be like, hey, want to go to the pool tomorrow? Or like, want to go on a hike at noon? And I was like, I have to work. Like, what are they talking about? So I was like, okay, I need to do something a little, like a little bit more fun. Cause like, how is everyone in LA having this like life? Yeah. So I started exploring different things. That's when blogging was like very new. And it's also when Dr. Oz was like really big. So I kind of decided that that would be a good route for me was like using, you know, the expert, but also the beauty blogging. And that's when I got the idea. Wow. And then how did you get into like going from pharmacy to really wellness, preventative care, basically? Well, my last year of college, we were on um, like clinical rotations, which was way easier than the years before because it was more just like a work setting. So I was able to, I'd never worked out the years before then. I was too too busy studying. And the last year, my roommate and I, Marielle, we decided to join a gym like a block away from us. And it was like the cutest little gym. And I took like a class, a cardio kickboxing class and like completely got obsessed. I used to hate working out before then. And then once I discovered something I liked, I was like, you know what? I really want to try to get like really healthy and like actually get fit. Cause I was always like, I'm naturally pretty like, like slender, but I, I didn't have exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I got into like really clean eating. I was like eating super healthy cooking. And that's kind of when my interest and in all that started. And then I know of course had a, like a large health background from school and then once I went to LA and I was surrounded by that culture of like health and wellness and everyone's just, I mean, it's all around you. You can't escape it. Yeah, it's that yeah you can't. And honestly, in pharmacy school, I always share this. Like we learn when you're treating someone or when someone's coming to ask you, like the first thing you do is lifestyle modifications. You never just put oh. someone in the pill. And so that was always kind of my, okay, well, if you have high blood pressure, like, let's add more fruits and veggies to your diet. Let's get rid of canned and pickled foods. Like let's have you exercise. So I kind of already had that anyway. And I think just a combination of all of it made me much more into wellness. That's really good to hear because you always hear, oh, doctors don't have any sort of background in wellness and nutrition and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to hear that in that, that form of, um, you know, in pharmacy, you do, and you think about that and you think about, and you know, unfortunately, like most, some pharmacists can prescribe. I never, I never got my residency for that, but, um, most pharmacists don't. And so, you know, people, people will come to the pharmacy and like, you know, I'm sure the doctor is like, well, you know, diet and whatever, but we could also just put you on this. If you're giving the patient a choice, most of them just want a pill. Yeah. Sometimes they don't even know what it's for. So it's like, if you have the right doctor, my brother saw this cardiologist that was incredible and like wanted him to go vegan and do all that. Whereas other people are just like, do this surgery. So it all depends on who you see and who wants time to help you. 
So are you vegan now? Yeah, I I eat like I'd say like a 90% vegan diet. I actually recently started adding fish to my diet, probably mm-hmm. in the last like three months. And I'm kind of experimenting with it. Um, because just like having such like, yeah, I'm just having like, some of my levels aren't normalized, my omegas, and I'm taking supplements, and it's not really helping. So I'm really on top of like, getting my blood work done, seeing how everything and you never know, like you'd think as a vegan, like, all my omegas would be great, but they weren't. So I was I was like fully, fully vegan the last like six years. And just recently, I started adding in fish. So I'm still kind of experimenting with that, but no dairy and no other animal products. Yeah, I think that's great to just kind of follow your intuition. I was ve- I was vegetarian forever, like since I was 12, despite my parents trying to prevent me from being vegetarian forever. Wow. Yeah. When I wanted to be one. And then I became vegan and eventually after six years of being vegan, I, I just wasn't feeling as good as I had felt. And so mm-hmm. I modified a few things. And like, I think it's just really, it just taught me so much about following my intuition and like really listening to my body because it can become such an ideology and like, it doesn't necessarily always work. Or maybe there's a certain time period in your life that it's not going to work. And then you go back to it but I'm predominantly vegan as well. Cause I just love it. But exactly. So- I love it. Like I preference wise, like I could, I mean, I love vegan food. It like genuinely excites me, <laughs> which yeah. is so weird, yeah. but, um, you know, sometimes you have to listen to, and, you know, I think you can, people have such like, Oh, you're either like all or nothing, or you have to. And I'm like, it's just such a rigid, like incorrect way, in my opinion, to go about it. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't have to, you don't have to fall under a category. You can you can be 99% vegan and add something in twice a month and it's okay. Yeah. I totally agree with that, which that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you is just what is your philosophy about wellness and well-being in general? Like, what is it that you really believe in? Um, you know, my biggest philosophy is truly, which is cliche, I wish there was another way to say it, but it's just eating clean. And I say this all the time and I, it's uh, a lot of people say it. (laughs) I feel like everything triggers people these days. Yeah. Um, Eating clean literally has nothing to do with dieting. You could eat clean and eat like 5,000 calories in a day. Like it's completely up to you. I just prefer like the least processed, the least like manufactured weird ingredients as possible, like whole foods. Um, I like seeing a food go from like how it, you know, intended and how it grows in nature to like cooking it to your plate. And that's kind of what I felt I resonate with the most, you know, of course, like, I get cravings for like junk food, whenever I want, like, you know, the more unhealthy food, it's still always vegan. Yeah, you know, of course, like I'll have like, cookies or like, I'll go out, you know, go out and eat like, even if I get like sauces or dips or salad dressings that probably have chemicals in them from restaurants. Like there's times that I don't, no one can eat perfectly, but I just like eating clean. Like I like eating normal foods and I, and I, I also like simplifying it. I, um, I've experimented with so many different things and I used to combine like a million things into one bowl and think that was healthier. Like let me add oatmeal and nuts and seeds and goji berries and cacao. And like, I had thought I had this like super food bowl. Yeah. But I, I've also found that like keeping your meals more simple just helps you digest it. Yeah. You know, so like one day have a couple of them, another day have the others. And that's what I found to work the best for me. That's actually something it's so funny because 
um, you know, who introduced us, my cousin, Dr. Angie, I think she really helped me with that too. Cause I think I used to be the same and I went to culinary school for raw food. And so I would just like make the craziest things and wonder why I was bloated. <laughs> you have so many different types of food. You wouldn't actually eat that if you went to a, res- a regular restaurant. It's just no way. a regular restaurant doesn't have organic food that's like, you know, clean. And so if you just replace regular food with better ingredients, that's like kind of the best way to, I think, go ahead. I was going to say just, it's better for you. I'm so big on like, what's healthiest for me for the next 50 years. And that's truly like, no one can argue that whatever diet you're on, no one's going to say that's bad. Yeah, it's so true. And I always think about this, but like, in American culture, we have access to so many different types of foods. So it's a lot easier for us to just like have so many different dishes at a, maybe at a dinner table that we like create. Maybe you go out to a restaurant and you have like a burger with all these different things, but in like Iran or in different Asian countries and all this, you have just like that one type of food that kind of goes well together. So it almost yeah. like they just you know, they probably just have less digestive issues because of that. So but, true. It's so true. Like, it's actually, I, you know, I've been like, everyone's been kind of quarantined. I've been with my boyfriend's parents a lot. And they're like, she, they were like noticing how much lemon I eat. And I'm like, it's just such a Persian thing. Like we yeah. put lemon and you know, our palate is very sour. Like we don't yeah. really eat spicy food. We eat like all sour food. So like, I want like the most amount of lemon and lime on everything. It's <laughs> just like what I'm used to eating. My husband is white and does not understand. Like he's like, have another lemon salad. I will. <laughs> lemon salad, he calls it. That's amazing. A salad Shirazi. Oh no. Well, yeah, I love salad Shirazi, but like, no, my, all of my dressings are like lemon and olive oil. <laughs> he can't handle another lemon olive oil. But I'm like, I, that's all I want. I just, that's all I want. I eat them like oranges. Like I just like straight and then my teeth hurt and it's like a whole thing, but I, I can't so, get enough lemons. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally the same. So I wanted to also talk to you because I think this has a lot to do with and just the way that the wellness industry is perceived because it is more affluent and like it is not as accessible when you think mm-hmm. about wellness in terms of like high-end products and even all the packaged food that's so good that, you know, you and I probably have a, definitely a lot of access to because people send it to us and like we can yep. go to Whole Foods and Air One and buy it. But I like, I almost just think not only is it better for the environment if we don't just like consume all these crazy packaged foods that are great and clean and vegan, but it's like, I think that people, you know, we say this all the time, it's possible to be healthy without having all that. But I think it's so important to reiterate because I think that the basic tenets of like well being are really like drink more water, go out on walks, and yep. like fresh air and like connect with nature. And I think just people forget that. And unfortunately in this country, in a lot of countries, there isn't access to clean water. I was like thinking about that when I was thinking about asking you this question, because I'm like, gosh, how fucked up is it that we still don't have access to clean water and like mm-hmm. clean water filter, you know, but I think about that too. Like we, I mean, everyone, it, takes their life or situation for granted to some level like we don't the simplest things that we just think are accessible to us like even water like 
There's yep. parts of the world where they have to walk like 10 to 15 miles literally to get clean water. Like that's just a fact. And so, yeah, I think making it more accessible to people is like just a hundred percent on track. Sometimes I don't, and honestly, I'll admit this. Sometimes a brand will send me something that I love and I don't even know the price of it because I, it was it's a gift and I haven't even looked it up and I shared one and some, I think it was some kind of like, uh, I won't say it because I don't want to call it the brand. It was just like a powder that you add into your drink, but it was like incredible ingredients, but it was like $75. Yeah. That's really expensive, you know, for, and I, I also think back to when I was, you know, in my young twenties, like I couldn't have like even buying like cacao powder or like buying superfoods was like, okay, like that's exactly buy one a month, you know, like it's expensive. Yeah. So I really like that like notion of just kind of keeping it more simple. Yeah. Um, I think, one of the best things anyone can do is meditate. It's just so there's so many proven benefits of how it helps your cells literally like live longer. It reduces stress. It can reduce like tumor size. Like, I mean, there's so many things that it can help with. Wow. So that's a simple one, drinking more water, getting good sleep. Um, you're actually inspiring me to try to find some like good quality bulk superfood ingredients that I can recommend for people yeah. <laughs> expensive. Like, as you were saying that, I was like, I should really try to find something that's like the most cost effective for people. Yeah. I think like, I just always think about how, yeah. I mean, before when I was getting into the industry, it was like, you said just so expensive. And now we don't realize just all the amazing things that get sent to us that people don't, even the products I create, like my, our saffron latte, mm-hmm. we have a mini version. That's like, um, 30 around like $36. That's still super expensive in their regular size. Original is like $64 and it's only four ingredients. But as we know, like saffron is very expensive, saffron is very expensive. So that's, that might be an exception. I yeah. mean, saffron is expensive just on its own. I know. But then like, if you think about, if you do have access to, you know, any sort of funds and you're like saffron is an antidepressant, it's been proven to be an antidepressant. It's been used as centuries as one. And they proved like 30 milligrams of saffron is can be just as effective as a leading name brand antidepressant. And ours has like 150 milligrams. So if someone like long-term, like you're saying like 50 years from now, is this good for me? Like long-term, this is great. Cause like a pill, you know, not saying it should replace pills. Like I can't promote that, but maybe someone's just going through a moment of grief or whatever, maybe long, it'll like pay off. But even like, why can't this be more accessible? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I want it to be, and I still, it makes me sad that it can't be accessible to everyone, but it's because of like where our country, our politicians and where we decide to like actually subsidize certain things and not others. And it's so crazy because it's crazy how wellness has a lot to do with politics and like, it's frustrating, but it's so important to be involved. And like, I really believe in that. I mean, do you mean in terms of like, you know, like big pharma and things like that, how much money, right. How much money we have to spend on things like that, that we don't even get to like, enjoy back. Like we don't have the free healthcare and we have to pay so much for prescriptions and like GMOs, right? Like organic food shouldn't be more expensive. Like, but because we have GMOs, they are more expensive, you know? So I agree. 
Um, by the way, I just, I was just thinking back to one thing I just said when I was talking about meditation, I, I like always want to make sure if I, if I spoke incorrectly, I fix it. When I was saying meditation can shrink tumor size, I, in my head, I was thinking of a vegan diet. So I just want to make sure no one listened to that and, and heard that incorrectly. <laughs> um, I was that that's more of a fact of a vegan diet where there's just so many studies to show eating a plant-based diet can, can like literally reverse disease. I mean, a lot of these things can too, because I not like, this isn't, you know, a scientific thing. Right. But like, I really believe that our mind is so powerful. So I think what you said, you know, maybe it doesn't directly, but like lowering our stress levels and like living this type of lifestyle does in turn, like help ourselves regenerate and help ourselves be able to fight something. And and heal basically. I don't want to say fight, but like just heal us from the. Well, I believe. I believe. I hundred percent believe it helps. I just like you know. It, I know. Yeah. Study wise, I, I agree. <laughs> um, totally. You know, I think when it comes to like also superfoods and like deciding, you know, what you want to spend your money on, like. It, one thing too could be like to just try one for like three or four months and then try another one. You don't have to buy everything. And you know, that's also even sometimes it's better. It's almost like an elimination diet where you don't know what food's going to work best for you. Yeah. So, you know, you could try one and see, really research it. And like, if you really want, if anyone listening to this really wants to get into wellness and really wants to be in this world and finds it like unaccessible, you really like learn and understand it and get knowledgeable on it because that's a part of it. Like just reading a, a headline and then taking something and trying a supplement, you're not really like engulfed in it. And that's, that's a whole part of it. It's like, you just become so in love with like learning how to be good to yourself and heal your body that you research all these different things. Then you'll find like, Oh, okay. Like what is ceremonial grade matcha? Actually it's, literally means nothing that just is a fancy term because there's culinary and ceremonial but ceremonial when you see it somewhere might sound fancy and you might spend more money on it versus one that doesn't say it so just read and understand and know and then you can try out different things and see what works for you You don't you don't have to take every supplement yeah I totally agree with that and like also just finding different ways like you said meditation that's free taking a bath like that's so nice and even if you don't I would love to take a bath right now yeah taking baths. Um, there's so many things. And so I'm curious what, what's your main, like, what's your main inspiration or what is it that you're really like focusing on right now as far as like your, your videos and stuff like that? Like, is it hard for you to come up with content or do you feel like it come you're, you know, super focused on a certain thing? Um, I see, you know, no, to be honest right now, coming up with content for some reason, like you go through like ebbs and flows. I'm sure writers kind of have this too, but I definitely feel like I have a lot to say and a lot to share right now. So I haven't had issues with that. I think during this like crazy time we've been living in, um, I've been busier because I, I normally have a team around me and I've had to kind of get more creative and figure out more and be a little more self-sufficient. So, um, I think I've also kind of learned one thing that I've been doing a little more of that I see some pretty good response to is um, sharing more of like the, your story and a little more personal. And even if like, let's say you shared something once and you've already, you know, like, oh, I already, I already explained like how, you know, when I went to pharmacy school, like I had acne, 
Well, like you could keep sharing it, like share it again in three months. Maybe someone didn't read it. Maybe like you have a new follower. So it's okay to like kind of keep reiterating the same points that you find important. So my biggest thing right now is just like being a content machine. Um, I'd say like TikTok is kind of my number one platform that I go pretty heavy on. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, I love TikTok. And I, I probably post like three or four videos a day on there. Um, and I'm kind of dabbling into Pinterest right now. And, and I'm redesigning my website and creating a really amazing shop page that I'm so excited about because it's just going to be a curation of everything I talk about and like and recommend like all in one place. I know I was checking out your website. I was checking out your YouTube. I was checking out all the things and I just love how they all really went well together. And it was super inspiring because I think like just little things like you have a little trailer. I mean, I know it was a couple years old, so probably to you, you're like, I need to update that. But like, I, have to update that. <laughs> I love the YouTube trailer that you had. And I think it gave a really great, you know, description of what you are, what you're all about. And I think that those little things are really important for people who are just finding out how to be in this space. So thank you. I, I'm really excited that we had a chance to connect. I am looking forward to, you know, keeping the conversation going and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me.